All right. Well, good evening. Well, well uh, good, to, good to be here. I, I am Blake. You know me. I'm the worship pastor. I'm the guy that sings here. And uh, tonight, the subject matter of what we're going to be talking about is called Sing and Keep Singing. So it just made sense, right, for me to be up here. Yeah, sure. And, and so uh, anyway, so in, in 2012, I was called here to be the worship pastor. And I remember at the time there was some discussion about what my actual job title would be. Um, if you know anything about the American church traditionally, the guy that does the music, there's about a thousand different names that that person has. Music director, minister of music, worship leader, minister of arts, choir director, worship pastor, music guy. Uh, and there's, there's even more than that. I, I Googled it just to kind of see what was out there. Um, but at the most basic level, I'm the guy that leads us in singing. I do a lot of singing, um, so I guess, I'm, like I said, I'm a natural fit uh, for this tonight. On the subject of singing, interestingly enough, there are over 400 verses in Scripture that talk about singing. Of those 400, there are 50 direct exhortations to sing. Exhortation, it's a big 50-cent word. What does that mean? Well, that means it's defined to strongly encourage or, uh, or urge someone to do something. So it's just like you really need to sing. And if God through Scripture is strongly emphasizing for us to sing 50 times, it could only mean a few different things. First, music and singing is important to the church. Singing is central in the life of the church, and singing is central in the life of of the believer. I've said it before, and if you guys, if you, if you know me, um, I love to tell stories. Um, I think I get it honestly. My dad's a storyteller. His whole family, they love to tell stories, some true, some not true. Uh, and tonight, I want to use parts of, of my story, your music guy's story, to look at why it's important for us to sing and to keep singing and to use our songs to keep telling the story of God's faithfulness. And I promise that all the stories I tell tonight are true for the most part, so intentionally. Um, uh, so the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about what singing does. And if, if you've got your hand out, I'm gonna have some blanks that you can follow along with. Um, and so keep that handy and I'll try to uh, warn you when that's coming, which is now, the first blank. Singing encourages and, and expresses the Spirit's work in us. When we sing, <clears throat> it reminds us of the character of God, what he's done for us, and it deepens our relationship with the Spirit, meaning we are much more likely to operate within the Spirit when those things, those truths, those characteristics of God are right on our tongue, that they're at the forefront of our minds. Um, has anybody ever looked up at the night sky? Anybody like to do that? Yeah, okay, this is one of my favorite things to do is to, to look at the night sky. And for a few years, uh, when I was younger, uh, my family, we lived in town. Now, if you know my dad, that was torture on him to live in town. And so that didn't last long. And after dad couldn't take it anymore, we moved back out to the country. And um, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was to go out and look and go out into the woods at nighttime. I had this hammock out there in the woods and I could lay back in it and I could look up uh, in the sky. And um, 
you know, from that vantage point, you could see the stars, you could see the moon. And one of my favorite things, and this is an East Texas thing, was the silhouette of a pine tree with the moon behind it. I mean, it's just, it takes you to a different place. Um, my parents' house is situated on a hill. And so if you look out into the north sky on nights, it, there would be some thunderstorms in the distance. You could see just beautiful light show of lightning. And I mean, you could see it as far as like Shreveport. It was, it was incredible. And when you're in those moments, it just does something to you. It changes your perspective. It kind of puts you in the right place. And you think about how powerful God is and how big he is and, and some, how small we are. You know, it, it just kind of puts you in a different perspective. Um, just observing God's creation does something to us. And singing can elicit those same feelings and those same emotions. Um, let me... Let me we're going we're gonna to go through a couple different songs tonight that you'll be familiar with. And let me read the lyrics to the, the first song, we're gonna, and you're going you're gonna to be, we're going to put them on the screen. You'll be familiar with this. O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When I'm reading these, think about the change in your demeanor. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When we sing that, when we sing these lyrics, it reorients our hearts to the correct posture. All right, your second blank. Singing helps us remember God's word. Colossians 3.16, Kendall mentioned this verse last week. Um, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we take a look at the first half of that verse, that part that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. This is just good instruction for the church, right? Like, this is just good information for us as a church. And Paul could have stopped right there, or he could have continued and taken it a step further and said, let the word of God, or the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom by going to Bible study and midweek on Wednesday nights and Sunday school and seminary, you name it. That would have made complete sense to us, Right? And there's nothing wrong with those things, and those are all good things, but it's incomplete. He shifts and he says, he tells us to sing. Now, why, why, would, Paul, why would Paul do that? And I think the answer is a little more simple than we probably think. Attaching melody to lyrics helps us remember things. Like, that's pretty basic. Um, did anybody in here learn their ABCs by not seeing the ABC song? Because I would be very surprised if you did and impressed. Uh, the ABC song was first copyrighted in 1835. So if you learned it some other way, you're probably pretty old. Um, and, and interesting enough, and I found this fascinating, that they use that same melody and tune in many different languages and cultures. And they adapt their alphabet to fall into that, to that melody, which is just crazy. Um, okay, for this next part... I need, uh, I need a volunteer from the student section over here. Do I have a volunteer? Anybody? Come on up. Come on up. All right. 
I'm going I'm to figure up my guitar. You can come, come stand by me. I'm a worship pastor. I got to have the guitar at my right hand at all times. Okay, so um, when I was a kid, I went to uh, a new youth camp, a summer camp. And uh, while that camp, I had such a narrow view of what church music was at the time, that camp did all kinds of things that changed my perspective. But one of the things that it taught me when I was there was a song that taught me the fruit of the Spirit. Does anybody know the song I'm talking about? So they would say, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. And then they would go, yeah, 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 okay. So um, there's another verse of that song that's the fruit of the Spirit is not a banana. And so I'm gonna ha- I need you to help me be a banana tonight. Do you think you can do that? It's pretty, it's pretty simple. So when I say banana in this song, you just kind of jump up and make the... The shape of a banana? Okay, all right, all right. Mm. <clears throat> all right, here we go. The fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. Okay. okay, no jumping, all right. The fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. There we go. So if you want to be a banana, you might as well be it, because you can't be the fruit of the Spirit, because the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you for being a banana. You can have a seat. So I, I had this vivid memory of this guy on stage jumping as high as you can possibly think, making the banana shape every time I think of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the only way that I can name the fruit of the Spirit is singing that song in my head. So... Um, that is one of the ways that the lyric and melody and even visual things can help us remember uh, the scripture. Um, singing, this is the next blank on there. Singing helps us teach and be taught. So singing doesn't just act as a, uh, a device to help us remember God's truth like we just had. It also allows us to be saturated in and admonish others in those, those truths. When we think of singing during a church service, oftentimes it can be viewed as those 15 minutes uh, that lead up to the preaching, the, the warm up to the real meat. And Kendall's not in here tonight, so I mean, come on. It's, it's the best part of the service, right? Um, no, I'm just kidding. And, and while it does get us in the right state of mind to be physically, op- physically opening ourselves up to God's word, we cannot discount the significance of the truths that are being sung the words that are actually leaving our lips. There's a lot more going on in this room when we lift our collective voices together than just trying to remember some lyrics or remember scripture. So let me, we're gonna look at a couple more songs here. Let me uh, read you some lyrics and songs we sing on a regular basis. So this first song is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Uh, this, is the old, this is the old song, this is 1758. And so let me, let me just read this to you and just think about the, the truths that are found in these songs. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. I mean, that's just, that's just straight gospel, right? That's something that we say together collectively as a body, as a family. The next one's a little newer. Next one is King of Kings, and it was written in 2019. It says, and the church of Christ was born, and the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name and his freedom, I am free for the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. I mean, that's just fantastic theology 
and truth right there, and we sing it. The last one, it's a little, little newer. I mean, it may not be new to some people. 2001, In Christ Alone. And oddly enough, a lot of people listen to this song, we sing this song, and you think it's a really, really old hymn. It's not. It's not that old at all, actually. Um, it says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry till final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. I mean, that's just meat. That's just pure meat of the freedom that we have in Christ in those truths. These words are regularly on your lips if you sing with us here at Fredonia Hill. We sing the gospel. We sing the character of God. And we sing of the freedom we experience through him. And when you sing these things, you remind yourself and others and those around you of these truths. The next blank, singing helps, and this is a double one, singing helps engage our emotions and encourages physical expressiveness. Expressions of our emotions uh, has kind of gotten a bad rap in the, uh, the modern church. We've been taught to fear and be suspicious of emotions, of physical expressions, um, that maturity is holding back, restraining ourselves, being stoic in our mannerisms. And we, we've, done, we've done this because we've seen abuses of it, right? And in a response, we've overcorrected. In my world as a, as a worship leader, um, you know, you're kind of taught to land in probably two starkly different camps when it comes to emotions in worship. Uh, first is the, the camp of uh, a dynamic emotional worship where we measure successes by the, the physical and emotional response of a congregation. Basically, what I can see and perceive on stage, how you're responding to it. Um, we... Uh, we use songs that lead us to a particular feeling. That would be one camp. Another camp would say that we need to be careful not to stir up people too much with the songs that might elicit some emotion, uh, that scripture-based and theological, theologically heavy songs are the only effective way to lead worship. As humans, we just try to make things black and white, right? We try to set ourselves up on two opposite extremes, and the reality is, with it, as in most things, is that it somewhere lies in between. What we want to avoid is emotionalism, not our emotions. Emotionalism chases feelings as an end in themselves. And with emotionalism, the focus is on our affections. Uh, the focus of our affections is not on our creator, but the feelings we get when we sing. God has designed us to have emotions. And if our, emotion, our emotions are a response to the goodness of who God is, emotions within worship are totally acceptable, and they should be encouraged. Um, in the book that we're going through by Bob Coughlin, the True Worshippers book, uh, he has a quote that I, I liked about this. It said, vibrant singing enables us to combine truth about God uh, with passion for God, doctrine and devotion, our mind and heart, suppressing or ignoring your feelings when you sing, contradicts what, we're, what singing is designed to do. Passionless singing is an oxymoron. They have to work together. 
All right, next blank. Singing helps us express our unity with the church. So uh, the worship team and I, we spend a lot of time, yeah, maybe not a lot of time, but we spend some time trying to be prepared, right? Uh, that our arrangements are good, that the instruments are in tune, uh, that we're playing in time with each other. We're ultimately trying not to be a distraction or a hindrance to worship. And when that's all done, the hope is that it sounds pretty. Um, but what I really love is the moment when the band disappears. And I don't mean when the band leaves the stage. <laughs> I don't love that. Or when, they're st- when they stop playing. They could st- still be playing. What I love is the moment when our collective voice in the room becomes a dominant feature of what's happening. Um, 500 voices singing together, all from different places and perspectives, but one voice singing the same lyrics, those same truths, the things that we just looked at on the screen about our God. I mean, where else does that happen in your daily life? And, and I think too often we forget about what a privilege that is, is to come together with believers as a family and sing these words. Uh, they become so routine that we forget how amazing that is. Singing brings God's people together. Okay, so we talked about singing, but I said this, the title of this thing is called Singing and Keep Singing. So we're gonna move to the keep singing section of the night. And I think that's necessary to have because too often we look for excuses to stop singing. We look for reasons not to worship. Um, in the early years, uh, this is going to be one of those ones I probably regret saying. My wife's going to get mad at me for saying this. In the early years of the internet, um, nerd alert, I used to love to make web pages. Like that was my thing. Back in the 90s, doing a little HTML code, like I would love to make web pages. And it was just, it was about dumb things like computer games and things like that. But it was, it was a different time. I was a different person, so don't hold it against me. But I used to make web pages. But on a good website, you're going to have a section called the FAQs. What is an FAQ? Anybody know? Frequently asked questions. So we're, we're going to have a FAQ section for tonight. And so I've got some FAQs that typically come up when we're talking about singing, and we're going to work through those um, tonight. So the first question what if I can't sing? That's a common one. That's probably the most common question or objection from people when we talk about singing. And I've got a, I got a little story. So um, and, uh, I'm bringing my dad up a lot tonight, but I grew up in a, in a, a little church north of town, um, and we had, we had a choir, and I don't know how it happened, and I should probably ask. This is the part where I'm saying I, I can't promise this is all completely true, but it's going to serve my story either way. So at some point, my dad got in the choir. And I don't, I don't know when that happened or how that happened. It might have been before I was born, but he was in the choir. And I, I remember him being in the choir, but any, the only other time I remember him singing is like him dancing around the house singing like Secret Agent Man or some ridiculous song. So I don't really, he didn't have a whole lot of musical experience. And... Uh, Ed, you're going to ask him about this tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so anyway, but there was some sort of medical thing. Like he was getting sick a lot, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And, and I'm sure I'm getting, making all these details up, but this is what I remember as a kid. 
And he went to the doctor, and the doctor was like, well, do you sing? You sing? And he's like, yeah, I sing in my church choir. And he goes, we need to stop. <laughs> he's like, okay, that's kind of weird. And listen, I don't know if this was actual medical advice or if somebody had, like, paid the doctor from the church to, like, tell him to stop singing or, or something like that. But he had to kind of make a correction at that point, right? So, um, now, just because he wasn't singing in the choir anymore, doesn't, that didn't mean that he didn't still sing. Um, it, it didn't mean that there wasn't still a song in his heart. He still sings to this day when he comes. So y'all watch him on Sunday. He sits back there in the back, kind of where Kendall's hiding in the darkness, by the way, back there. He sits back there, and we'll see if he, well, y'all watch him this Sunday, see if he's singing. But <laughs> regardless um, of your, it is a medical reason or lack of ability, or if you have no voice or insecurities, God is asking you to sing. And, and I'll be honest with you, guys, I sing for a living. Like, this is my job, is to sing. And there are moments where insecurity creeps in and is like, well, are you really, should you be doing that? You know, like, I'm not a professional singer, and most of us in here are probably not professional singers, and that's not what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to come to a heart, come to a place where our heart is ready to sing and give him glory. Ephesians 5.19 tells us to sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart. So regardless of your ability, God calls you to sing. And if you can't physically sing, listen to those around you. Listen to that collective voice that we were talking about of the church family. You can join in with your heart. And after all, singing involves much more than just your voice. The next FAQ, you ready for this one? What if I don't feel like singing? Well, that's probably true for most of you most of the time. When we walk into these doors on a Sunday morning, who knows? I mean, I've got kids. I've come to church before with kids that are driving you insane, and you're yelling, and you walk in the door, and you, act like, you try to act like everything's all together. Or you're not distracted, or you're not dealing with some sort of tragic loss or burden. This is probably true of most of you almost all the time, and that's okay. God is not asking for us to have it all together when we walk in these doors every week. Um, Think about Job. Think about David. Their worship came in very difficult times. God wants us to be real and genuine when we approach him in worship. That includes our worries, our sorrows, our distractions. We're to bring those things before God and sing. You might be surprised what changes when you actually when you actually do that. I think some of the sweetest times of worship and singing come in those moments where it's just hard and it's just difficult. Okay, I've got one more FAQ. And listen, I don't know if I should even bring this one up with you guys. This is a, this is a sticky one. What if I don't like the songs we sing or how we sing them? I need to set myself up for failure. This is a tricky one. Because the last thing I want to do is to get up here and give you a lecture on preferences and styles and hymns versus praise songs and instrumentation. Um, and I, mean, I feel like we, the church has beat that horse for a long time. Um, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the reality. Here's the truth. Is this church has always been extremely gracious and kind to me. I've been here nearly 12 years now. And um, I 
talk with my other worship leader friends. We have like a secret, you know, back channel thing that we talk about our congregations. And um, they're just, they, they just talk about how their congregations complain all the time, up and down. All, they just, you know, never like the songs. The drums are too loud and, you know, whatever. And uh, it's always the drums. And, uh, <laughs> but our church, has never, our church has never been like that. And uh, I'm extremely grateful to, to you guys for that. But the responsibility for planning the worship for our church is something that I take very seriously. And that, this is the point where I just want to be straight and honest with you guys. Um, and if you ask the people closest to me, they'd tell you it's something I labor over. Uh, yet I don't really talk about it that often, about my process and the things that I kind of figure out as I'm trying to plan the worship. And so I kind of want to level with you guys on some stuff tonight. My goal has always been to allow the worship and the songs of our church to be a reflection of our family. Right here, in this room, at this church, in this town. And that's why we write and sing some of our own songs. That's why I encourage our worship team uh, to make songs their own and not just reproduce what they hear someone else do on a recording. Um, that's why we use the instrumentation that we use. That's why we have the drums up here. That's why we have the electric guitar. That's why we have the piano. And that's why uh, sometimes we have a mandolin and sometimes we have a violin. And I heard there's somebody learning on a harmonica part for something. So we'll see how that goes. That's why we sing old songs. We had some old songs up here tonight. That's why we sing new songs. That's why sometimes we sing the same song over and over again. It's, it's a reflection of this body in this moment in time. We're a unique group of people. I mean, when we look around, we can see it. From all generations, backgrounds, social classes, ethnicities, from kids to university students, from young adults to legacy to Ben's. Do we have any Ben's in here? You know, born in Nacogdoches? Yeah. All right. I just had to highlight that, by the way. Source of pride. From Ben's to transplants. <laughs> um, you know, this planning the worship for our church can be hard to navigate sometimes. And some days it's a daunting task. And some days I don't feel up to it. And some days I feel like, okay, I may be on to something. Um, but the sound and the style of our songs at Fredonia Hill has and will always be changing. People come and go. Times change. Technology shifts. But the heart of our songs will remain the same. We will sing and we will keep on singing. So um, I don't know if you believe this or not, but four years ago during COVID, four years ago, um, we were in a tough time, right? I think everybody was in some, in some tough times. And it was a time when it was hard sometimes to keep singing. Um, everybody seemed to carry a lot of burden. There was a lot of distraction, a lot of worries. And uh, that was the same year that I went on a sabbatical, which um, was a fantastic time. And I still am so overwhelmingly grateful that our church sent me on that time. But during that time, I wrote a song. And um, it was a testimony song. And it, I was really intentional by, about it because 
I felt like we often forget why we are singing and that we do have a song to sing. And so, um, yeah, I wrote it as a, as a reminder uh, to remember the story, to remember our story, uh, and to sing our story. And so, um, kind of as we are closing out tonight and wrapping up, I, I want to sing that song, and I want to do it a little bit different. I've actually never sang this song. This is all my hope. Miss Elizabeth usually sings this song, so we're going to see how this goes. But I'm going to turn my microphone off, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to have the lyrics on the screen. And we're going to sing it together as a collective voice. No amplification. You know, these, these churches, these old rooms were built to where someone could stand up here with a single voice and it would carry. And so that moment when you get everybody in the room together and the, the voice, voices are raised, it's just a sweet time. So I'm going to get my guitar on. And uh, we're going to sing a couple verses of this, and then we'll kind of close out the evening. So if you flip your page over, I've got some things that I want you guys to reflect on and ask and talk amongst yourselves this week. 
um, th- three questions, and I, and I put on there uh, at the top the, the verse in Colossians, and I would say revisit that and think about what that, what that means in your life this week. But here are, the, here are the questions. What are some of your favorite songs to help you remember God's goodness? I know that you probably have some, and maybe we sang some tonight. I don't know, or maybe we looked at some. Um, make a playlist. If you've got Apple Music or Spotify or whatever you got, make a playlist of those songs this week. Put that on repeat and listen to it. Is engaging your emotions or physical expressiveness, that's hard for me to say it, difficult (laughs) for you while singing? Ask God how you can surrender uh, your fears and suspicions surrounding those things. And lastly, how would your worship look different if you sang a song when faced with adversity, troubles, and distractions? I mean, that's, that's how that song came about. We were faced with adversity, troubles, and distractions and said, okay, how, how can we change our perspective? How can we reposture ourselves before God? Um, let me pray, and we're going to get out early because your worship pastor pro- teach, are taught tonight. So how about that? All right, let me pray. Well, Father, we thank you so much that you have given us this ability to sing and how unique that is. God, you are so worthy of praise, of honor. And, and so often we come in to this place and we get in a rut or a routine and we forget about even the words that are coming out of our mouths and how rich those words are and how true those words are. So God, I pray as we come together as a family, as a body, that we remember who you are, remember your faithfulness, um, we remember how big you are and how, how small we are, but at the same time, how much power we have through you and through your spirit. God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise, and we will sing and keep on singing. We love you, and we give you all glory, and we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic evening. We'll finish up our series next week. John James will be... Bring in the heat to wrap us up. So we'll see you on Sunday.